This is a WTF podcast experience. I think those editors who see themselves as upholding the bastions of freedom and democracy must get quite down in the mouth at times because even the most reputable news sites now seem to be plagued with clickbait bullshit articles. Welcome to Taming the Ferrets, New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarded business podcasts, we are taming the ferrets once and for all. We welcome entrepreneurs, leaders, inspirational figureheads to inform, educate, motivate and inspire the Bay of Plenty and beyond. My name's Freddie Bennett, entrepreneur, author and wannabe podcast host. We're here to tame the ferrets once and for all. And today, everybody, we have got a real treat for you. We are welcoming Alan Nieben, owner of the Bay of Plenty Business News. Alan, welcome to Taming the Ferrets. Thanks, Freddie. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Alan, I think we, we have to say this is your first podcast. That's that right? right. That's right. I know you're an avid listener, but this is your, your first episode as a guest and I'm very honoured that um, that you've you've aimed high and you've started at the top and you know it's always good to, to, to peak early. How could I do otherwise? Thank you Freddie. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So Alan for anyone that, that doesn't know you it'd be great just to hear a little bit about your current role and, and who you are. Uh, thanks, Freddie. I, I'm uh, based in uh, in the Bay of Plenty. I live in Mount Monganui. I have a business which publishes Bay of Plenty Business News. Uh, that's a local business newspaper. It goes free to businesses throughout the Bay of Plenty every month. I think one of the reasons I like being based here in the Bay is because it's such an exciting area to live and it's a great place to be. I used to holiday at Mount Moganui as a kid, uh, living at the time uh, and growing up in the Waikato. It was with great excitement we used to cross the Kaimais every Christmas to come and stay at the Mount. I never believed that I would one day be living at the Mount in the surf every day and just enjoying that good life that living in this part of the world offers. So uh, I can combine two passions by being here. Uh, my enjoyment of what I'm doing in business with Bay Plenty Business News and the team I work with and the people I meet and also living in a beautiful place. Amazing. And I think you're totally right. In uh being a fairly new resident of uh, of Taronga myself, you uh, you can't beat having the uh, the Pacific. Yeah, on, you'll on understand that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I first arrived here, I, I walked up onto the beach and I was like, "Yes, I can't hear any police sirens. I've I've left the UK. I'm not in Liverpool anymore. My shoes are safe on my feet. No one's going to steal them. And uh, yeah, it's a very a very wonderful place to be." But I was going to ask, so the, the Bay of Plenty Business News, what, what does that publication do? And have you always been in, in that business media industry? Yeah, I've been in, uh, I've been in publishing for, for many, year, many years. Uh, Bay of Plenty Business News, to answer your question, is, um, it tells stories. It's, it's really there to tell businesses and business people what other businesses and other business people are up to, uh, to give them information and to tell them about things they need to know. So a big thing, uh, from my perspective, I know, and, and something I've talked at length with our team about, is the importance of having faces attached to stories. Um, if you look through a, 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 either the print or online um, issues of Bay of Plenty Business News, I think one of the things that will probably strike you are the number of photographs of people in the publication uh, and online, and 
for us, that's a key. It's about people. It's about personalities. It's about their stories. So that's something I love. That's something I enjoy. Um, and I and I guess that's probably why I was quite excited when the invite came to talk to you today, Freddie, because it's that people thing. It's that ability to be able to talk. I won't say to talk about myself because that's not something I'm particularly comfortable with. And the fact I'm even invited here, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome on my part. It's like, what, what, what do they want me to talk for? You know, what have I got to say? But now I come to think about it, um, I, I, I'm a conduit in some ways in as much as I get to talk to and meet uh, a lot of people throughout the base through my job and through our products. So that means I do have some stories to tell. Uh, and thankfully, not all about myself, because a lot of those are either very boring or, or, or not repeatable, but a lot of stories about what we do in our business and what we do through our publishing and our, and our product. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to have, have the opportunity, and, um, and, and, and that's really where I, where I come from. Just in terms of my background, because I think that was the second part of the question you asked, Freddie, uh, my background, I've been involved in publishing and particularly in print publishing for many years, though that's a changing, uh, that's certainly a changing landscape. Um, newspapers in particular, community newspapers, I had a big background there managing a large community newspaper group in Auckland for many years. Um, and I've had family involvement in newspapers and newspaper publishing for years. But boy, oh boy, hasn't it changed? I mean, let's just, um, I don't know. The newspapers of uh, newspapers to, uh, of today are not the newspapers that they were many years ago. And that's meant we've had to be, um, I guess we've had to be nimble. We've had to adapt to change. We've had to find new ways of, uh, new ways of doing things. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's presented challenges, but it's also, it's also given plenty of satisfaction in terms of doing things new ways. I think you're, you're absolutely right, Alan. The The publishing industry is, is something I've seen uh, <laughs> as a symptom of the, the changes that the wider media industry has, has gone through. And without sounding too much like a, uh, like a media darling, I, I think it's how people consume their content has, has changed. And like you say, with 20 years ago, everyone would be at the breakfast table reading the newspaper now they're just scrolling on their phones. And I think yeah, that shows the way we watch television, the way what we're doing now with, with people listening to, to podcasts and everything else. I mean, as someone who was right on the front line of that that transformation of, of the publishing industry, I mean, do you think it's it's changing for the better? Do you, do you wish back to, to the old days where you were getting the, the ink on your fingers and reading the paper? Oh, Freddie, I so wish we were back <laughs> in the old days. Uh, for purely selfish reasons, of course. I look at the days, particularly my experiences of uh, newspaper publishing and the money that could be made from printing classified advertisements, rivers of gold, I think those pages were described as not the case anymore, unfortunately, thanks mm. to eBay and TradeMe, Google. Apple, Spotify. Oh, yeah, no, we can't mention those, can we, in this podca podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, this podcast is, is available on, on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you uh, you get your podcast. That's good. So we can insult absolutely everybody. Yeah. We We're, like to ins insult people equally here on this podcast. We won't, we, won't pick it, we won't pick any particular channel out um, for, for, for abuse. We'll abuse them all equally. Yeah, it has changed. Hey, on a serious note, although I, uh, I, I talk about wishing we could hark back to those old days. Of course we can't, but 
it's very much, it's a double-edged sword, new technology, new media. It offers so much more opportunity. It offers so many more possibilities. There are so many more ways for us to find knowledge. When I'm writing a story, it's absolutely wonderful that if I'm not, if I want to do research, I'm not sure of a term, I need to know something. I quickly type that into a, uh, what I'm interested in knowing more about. I'll quickly type that into a browser. And next thing you know, hey, I'm an expert on that particular subject or that particular item. That's wonderful. Coming back to it with media, wonderful that we have exposure um, and much more access to so much more information, so much more news, so much more media. One of the downsides is the ugly side of that. And I just look at some of the trolling, some of the vitriol, uh, that I'm exposed to every day. And I'm not even in the public. Uh, I, I, I'm certainly not a celebrity and I'm not in the public spotlight the way so many are. And it does make me think at times and I wonder what would possess people to want to go into politics nowadays. I admire them. Those who do, I admire them. But I also look at the baiting and the trolling and some of the ugly sides of politics um, or of media that surround politics nowadays and I'm just glad I'm not one of those mm. on the front lines. Definitely. And, and when you mentioned the, the, the trolling that you're exposed to just then, do mm. you mean anything that you've received personally or just that, that, that you see in, in the industry? Uh, thank God I'm not a, I'm not a celebrity. Um, and I'm not in that public well, spotlight. Are, are now, though, Alan, obviously. Life will never be the same again. Yeah, thanks, Freddie, for putting be, me in this public spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> you know what happened in, in Wellington with the protesters? That's going to be outside your house now. Right. Because they're going to be saying, you know, and, you know we're right. going to have to have security outside because when, when this podcast goes global, it's... It's a bit like, um, like I say, imagine you know, Brad Pitt at the Oscars or something. That's that's exactly how it's going to be. Yeah, and I could <laughs> react like Will Smith at the Oscars as well. So let's be, <laughs> that's very true. Let's, be let's be wary, Freddie. It's an answer to your question, uh, di- not directly or not to a great extent, but I, we have a lot of um, we do publication. We do a lot of publishing whereby we we uh, encourage feedback from the public, be that by blog or in some of the more our more traditional media formats, the uh, letters to the editor. And um, I guess the immediacy of the online feedback um, and, the, and the anonymity that's associated with that is the thing that scares me mm. the most. And it really is ugly. It really is ugly. And we've all, I'm sure we've all seen it, but mm. that's what I was referring to when I talked about the ugly side of new media. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a pity because new media, modern media, digital media offers so many so many advantages mm. um, and provides us with a, a, a wealth of knowledge um, and access to knowledge. And it's a pity, it, it's, pity it's constantly spoiled uh, by, uh, uh, by those, shall we say, with, uh, with, with, with unholy motives. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's just the world we live in. And it's just what we've got to deal with. And there are strategies for dealing with that sort of stuff. Of mm. course, one's turning off your phone. One's not engaging where people are trying, obviously trying to bait you. Mm. The type of things that they sound easy to do. Oh, just ignore them. Don't answer them. Hey, the critics have always banned new movies and books mm. and restaurants. Uh, human nature is human nature. And for a lot of us, I think it's difficult just to ignore those criticisms. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, you know, a lot of people are, 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 I guess, pulled into responding. And that's often the worst thing you can 
possibly do, and I think there's there are probably a lot of politicians and celebrities uh, that can probably or have learned from their experiences where they have risen to take the bait um, and often regretted it. Mm. I think you're you're right. I say in the good old days, and, and I say that as, as someone who uh, I know I I look younger and I sound younger than I am. But as yeah, as someone in their early forties now, it's. Yeah. I remember the good old media days. I had a job on a, at a newspaper when I was sixteen years old, and yeah, yeah. You know, I had to. You know, I was writing the articles, and you'd take a photograph, and you had to go and get your, your your hand in your film to get it developed, and then have it come back and everything else. And, and they yeah. were just started. You know, this was what about nineteen ninety six or something. And, you know, they were just starting to to bring in. You know, there was a computer in the office, and everyone was wow. like, "Oh wow, you know, it's yes. CD ROMs and everything." I think there's a lot more democracy around media which i think is a good thing as you say around information sharing but i also know i could go home after this interview i could create a website i could start my own news channel yes and i could fill it full of garbage and there will be some people either willingly or unwillingly that would take what i say as as true um and do you feel that's that's a risk that's the challenge. That's the challenge for everybody. Certainly the challenge for the media organisations, the traditional media organisations. Um, and it's the challenge for us, the public, the readers, the viewers, the listeners, uh, is to value credible reporting. And, and I guess it's the model, uh, the model for monetization is what ultimately that challenge comes down to. Mm. How do the traditional media organisations, those traditional outlets, how do they manage to make a buck and monetize uh, and afford to be able to provide those credible news services? Who's paying for those? And, and uh, again, I guess I'm going to now mix it up with the big guys, but that's where your Googles, your Facebooks uh, really have messed it for the big news organisations. And there's certainly an argument that says, hey, those big organisations, to an extent, they may have messed it up for themselves. Mm. But that's the challenge. For us, uh, for us in our, within our publishing, the goal for us is to always produce the best quality, tell the most credible stories that we possibly can. Mm. That's our goal. Definitely. And, and I wanted to, to, to go back if if we can to you know when a young fresh faced ambitious Alan was uh, was was here coming over from from the Waikato and, and and went into the publishing industry was that something you've always wanted to do how how did you you start on this publishing journey yeah funny it's not something I necessarily always wanted to do as often happens in our lives we fall into things. And um, I think I mentioned earlier, my family had a uh, uh, my family had a, a history of involvement in publishing. My father was a printer by trade, and at the age of twenty two, I think he started his own newspaper in the Waikato in the town that he lived in. And um, he's always had uh, um, what you might call ink, ink in the veins. Um, when I went to university, um, as with most university students, I was looking for a way to make some money in my holidays so that I could afford to buy beer yep. during the rest of the semester. Uh, um, 
And my dad, uh, uh, my my dad managed to give me that. Uh, well, he didn't know it was there to buy beer, but he gave me that. Um, he gave me that ability through uh, through offering me work within his organisation. Um, so I saw different facets of publishing, and this is traditional publishing. This is pre-internet. Um, this is pre-email. Pre-internet, this is pre-digital printing. Um, if I recall, I think uh, a lot of our a lot of our communications at that time were uh, were by fax, and 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 the fax machine was the big thing. Um, find me someone who still uses a fax machine now, um, other than my. Um, there Other than my a, yeah. solicitor, I think, still charges me for faxes, and I've oh, never nice. quite figured out how that works. I can't, a solicitors trying to get money out of people, I can't imagine that. Like, don't know what that's about, crazy. really. I mean, yeah. I've always, I've always trusted that that wouldn't, um, that they were, they were super, they were super honest, but, well, um, almost ah. charity workers in my eyes list. <laughs> I've never quite figured out what that word at the bottom of my solicitor's invoice means, disbursements. Mm. Do you know, Freddie? No, I don't. Uh, I must admit, I don't. Disbursements. Well, that must mean faxing, and I guess that must mean paper for the fax machine. But who's got a fax machine? Now? I know exactly. Well, I, I think if uh, if solicitors are charging for it, they probably <laughs> they've probably got yeah, one. They, uh, they probably made the effort to uh, to go get one especially. We really have digressed here, haven't we? <laughs> Well, that's the joy of taming all these ferrets. Yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> Those bloody ferrets just running around the studio now. And we're going to have to, uh, we'll get Bobby back in and <laughs> to bring his net. Great. Hey, you're going to have to bring me back on track. Uh, uh, talking I'm, about the, uh, the 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 media history. Yeah, and I don't want I I I don't want this podcast to be a. Um, uh, totally a trip down mem- a trip down memory lane because it just makes me feel like an old bastard. But uh, which which I am. But the um, I think that I, I I think the picture I have in my mind of an old newspaper office, and for anybody that's ever worked in an old newspaper office, uh, that you'll probably know what I'm referring to. Everybody smoked at their desk. Yeah. Um, there were clear lines of demarcation mm. in terms of who did what around the place. And I think the comforting part in that was the fact that everybody knew what their job was. Mm. Those lines in, in the modern publishing environment, those lines have been blurred. Well, A, you can't smoke at your desk for a start, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And, and the, other part of, uh, the other part of that job that I found, um, I always found it was a, uh, it was a, uh, a common um, if you if you like a common practice, and that was uh, whipping over to the pub for a couple of jugs at lunchtime. Mm. Again, that's changed. I mean, now most news organisations we tend not to have an, a lunchtime, yeah, or a lunch break. Mm. I guess that's one of the downsides of this of the wonderful new world of modern digital technologies. Mm. Uh, we don't have to stop, which is great. The news cycle is now twenty four hours. Mm. The downside of that is is that if you're one of those who are feeding the news cycle, you're on 24 hours a day also. Um, So that doesn't stop. So the couple of jugs at the pub at lunchtime on production day are, uh, well, they're a thing of the past, I think, sadly. I think so, and I think... I mean, it's a whole different environment, isn't it? With I'm sure a uh, an HR policy would have uh, would have a field day in uh, in a 1980s or 1970s newsroom. No comment. <laughs> but how, how do you think that is? I mean, if I if, if I think back to my very early newspaper days and the traditional you know media image of you know the stressed editor who's on his or her third divorce, smoking nonstop. 
mm-hmm. at their desk and just trying mm-hmm. to get the news out. And that was my image of the editor 20 years ago. And yeah. now, as you say, you're in that 24-7 rolling news, more financial pressure, harder to get attention. Yeah. What sort of pressure does that put on you? Well, I, I think one of the biggest pressures is probably the, uh, the, the, the financial pressure. Once upon a time, your job was to write the stories that would sell the copies. Mm. That's changed. That's that's changed so much now. What media are we talking about? Are we talking about the, the printed newspaper that's going on sale for the commuters that evening? Are we talking about the online version? Are we talking about the free online version? Are we talking about the subscribed premium VIP online version? Are we talking about the version with snippets on the app or off the app? Are we talking about the news bites that was us fed by email? Uh, or are we talking about those that are in as part of the ebook? Um, and surely some of those stories will have been covered by other outlets because although they don't have an office here, hey, it's probably on Google and it's probably on the internet somewhere and it must be true if it's on the internet because everything on the internet's true, so we're stuffed. Um, is that a pressure for editors today? Sure, it's a pressure for editors today. Mm. I think those editors who see themselves as upholding the bastions of of, of, of freedom and democracy um, must get quite down in the mouth at times because even the most reputable uh, news sites now seem to be plagued with clickbait bullshit articles, Um, stuff that just encourages you, despite the fact that you might be heavily involved in reading a really in-depth, informative, long-form piece, Mm. there's still some clickbait at the bottom that says, click here if you want to see a picture of somebody naked. <laughs> uh, that's challenging because that's that that clickbait is still on your news site. Mm. Did you choose to put it there? In some cases, yes, somebody in the organisation did. In other cases, no, it just has chosen or was chosen to be there by some logarithm somewhere. Mm. Uh, but the challenge there is that uh, we are choosing because the powers that be within news organisations say we need the money, we need the money, so they choose to have those clickbait items on their pages. The challenge there for the serious news editor is the distraction of those things. Mm. And I think there's a certain amount of, there's a feeling that a certain amount of credibility is lost because that sort of crap has to appear on their pages. Yeah. So that's one of the challenges for modern editors. I guess the other one too is there are the budgetary constraints. Once upon a time, you knew you had various reporters in various areas specialising with good knowledge. Uh, in this day and age, you've got fewer and fewer reporters, fewer and fewer feet on the ground, um, and so you're less and less, or you're more constrained, less and less yeah. able to accurately report news in depth. So they're they're challenges, they're real challenges for editors. How does that affect you? I guess more going on to the you know, the the ability to switch off and your own well being and your and your and your mental health and everything else. You oh, mentioned about having to you know having the the joy of being able to 
go surfing to, to switch off? Is that something that, that, that helps you? And how you know, we talk about taming the ferrets here, and it sounds like you've got a lot of ferrets that, that need taming in, uh, in, in work and everything else. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I think our team's fortunate, in as much as our news cycle is very much a monthly news cycle as opposed to a daily or hourly news cycle. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we obviously need to be aware of what's happening daily and what's happening hourly. Uh, but we do have an ability to uh, to research, to check, to follow up, and to make sure that we can, uh, we're can we publishing the most accurate information we possibly can. You don't always have that opportunity in a daily or an hourly news cycle, mm. and we see it all the time now. Uh, um, and again, this is where I go into my old man, my old man m- mode. Um, some of the some of the typos, some of the mistakes, some of the uh, grammatical area, errors that we see mm. in uh, in modern news reporting um, would have. Well, my father would have. Um, well, I was going to say he would have he would have shivered in his grave. I'm not sure if that's the right saying, but bless him, he's not he's he's still uh, he's still well above ground and alive. So uh, I won't use that particular phrase. But uh, I know he would have been extreme, or is because he is um, critical of some of that stuff that's published mm-hmm. now. That we look at the quality and say there's a whole intro to an important story here. That doesn't make sense. Did anyone read it? Has anyone proofed it? Um, well, I'm I'm sorry, but that's just a natural result of the resources being strained within news organisations. Um, don't you know? We don't need to blame that on Bill Gates. Uh, uh, um, it, it's just uh, that's just the way business is mm. for those news organisations nowadays. As I said, uh, Freddie, fortunately, we are a monthly. Uh, for most of our stuff, though, we do regular updates. Um, but the one thing online does offer is the ability to uh, to 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 make changes or corrections mm. to stuff that we have online. Should we, on those very very rare occasions that we make a mistake, mm. it does offer us the ability to go and correct that. Whereas I think once you had ink on paper um, and that paper was sent, uh, your opportunity to correct was uh, well nil. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and thinking now to, I guess, to, to the wider business industry in yeah. uh, in the Bay of Plenty and obviously around the world with us being a, you know, maybe the world's most awarded. Bit. I can't confirm that. You know, we talk about checking facts, but um, sure. I think that there, there may be a good chance we are the world's most awarded business podcast. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Yeah, so am I. And, you know, if, yeah. if two people think they're right, then let's face it, they probably are. And that's two, that's two of us. So that's, <laughs> you know, around this table, that's 100%. So I'm with you, Fred. I really <laughs> am. Brilliant. And there's, there's a saying that that I usually we have a tradition on taming the ferrets that there, there will be a famous saying and then I'll then get it wrong. So the, the phrase I'm going to get wrong this week is attention goes where money flows. And or maybe it's money flows where attention goes. But in any case, how important do you think media attention is for businesses to be successful? And and I say that because I know a number of very talented entrepreneurs of of businesses that do have the potential to to make a massive impact in the economy, in the community, dare I say the world, but they're not getting the the platform that they want because they're scared of getting attention. And as someone who runs an organisation that gives attention to businesses, do you feel that in 2022 that, that media attention is more important than ever? 
Yeah, good good question. Despite the fact that you completely hashed the saying. Brilliant. That's good. Do you know what the right version well, is? Well done. No, I don't. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I take that back. I'm not sure if you hashed that or not, actually. But it, it, it certainly it certainly made it certainly made sense. Um, just yeah, we are in the uh, we're in the business of providing a platform for attention, and um, that's why we have the followers. That's why we have the likes. That's why we have the readers. Um, really, that's our mission. That's our job. Does that make us bad? Um, does that make us evil? No, not in, not in my eyes. But um, does it make us necessary? And for a lot of businesses, um, a lot of businesses that we work with, it does make us necessary. We're an important part of their. Uh, we're important part of their of their of their planning. We're important. an important part of their communications, um, and we're we're an important part of them reaching out to uh, to their to their clients, to their customers, and to the public. Uh, yet yeah, there are. Um, I, I I think one of the biggest challenges, perhaps, for businesses or organisations who want to get that reach, who require that reach. Um, is not knowing the best way to mm. get there. And why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem, in my opinion, because there are now simply so many options available mm. and that landscape is changing so quickly. I guess if I'm wanting to talk to a certain demographic, let's say I want to talk to teenagers, yeah, even 10 years ago, I probably could have posted something on Facebook moved forward a few years and it was like, yeah, they're not really reading Facebook, you know, looking at Facebook. That's grandma's looking at Facebook. Kids aren't looking at Facebook. Kids are using Snapchat now. So Snapchat was the way to talk mm. to the kids. So there's a, there, there, there's, a, there's a good avenue. But hey, hey, wait, yeah, that's the kids using that. But what about the kids that aren't the grandmas and the granddads, but they are – well, they have disposable income and they want to communicate and they're digitally savvy to a large extent as well. What do they do? It's like, oh, well, they're an IG, you know, because Instagram's probably where you want to be now if you want to have a real presence. If I'm if I'm Will Smith and I want to say to my fans, hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm not sorry about what I did at the Oscars. Well, my IG is probably, Instagram's probably my best channel for doing that and, and voila, that's what he's done. But that, doesn't answer where the kids are at now, and the kids are the ones I want to reach. Because where are the kids now? They they're not using Snapchat so much. The older kids are, but the younger kids are using TikTok. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's the TikTok answer. So how am I going to talk to these people? Because I don't know a lot about technology. It's not really my thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to talk to them? And that's the conundrum. That's the challenge for a lot of people in business um, is, okay, how am I going to reach the appropriate groups that I, that I need to reach for my business to thrive and be successful? And I think I, it's changing. And, that, and, and the problem we have, it's constantly changing. And so the important thing there is we've got to keep up with change. We don't need to know the intricacies of it. What we do need to know is have an inkling for how it's going to affect and what potential it might have for our markets, for our products, for our news, for for anything that we do, um, and figure out how, if we should be using it more and how we use it. And I think that's one of the, uh, I guess, one of the exciting opportunities for young people entering the workforce is that people like me are challenged by a lot of the new media. Mm. Young people, and I'm talking about my kids and my kids' kids, they just get it. 
And so they're in a position to walk into me and say, hey, if we want to launch this channel and if, if I need, I think we should have a YouTube channel that does this because of this and will achieve these results, I'm able to say, let's do it. Mm. I'm still important in the process because I've still got the, well, not the checkbook, because we don't do checkbooks anymore, or we don't do checks anymore. Uh, but um, I'm the one that can say, hey, I'm paying you and I want you to do it, so you please go ahead and do it. I don't yeah. need to know how they do it. They can do it. I need them. Mm. I need the young people and I need the youth. And I think that's that offers us some exciting opportunities. When we've looked and said, oh, there's a, there's, there's a dearth of, there, there's a shortage of young people in certain areas, it's like, well, put them into the areas we need them. Mm. And I think uh, I think some of those new media uh, channels are the areas that we do need them. They won't all want to be designing and building games. Um, they'll, th- th- there are so many different tools that can be used, can be exploited, and can be used by business. Mm. Um, hey, just get out there and do it. Talk to the kids. Talk to the young people if that's a market that you're interested in or find out why you shouldn't be using those particular channels. Mm. Um, because in some cases, they're just the wrong choice. Um, so... I don't know. I think those things make quite a difference. No, I, I, I totally agree, Alan. And I think there's, and maybe it's always been this way, but I, I see a lot of businesses because I, I, it's going to be shocking to our listeners, but I do actually have a have a day job or a day business. I don't just have wonderful conversations all day. And my job, I effectively help help companies to to make more profit. And I always say to them, they, a lot of individuals and a lot of businesses they put so much thought into their product and they say we've spent mm-hmm. thousands of dollars on our product and we've got a wonderful product no one's ever going to beat this product and i don't understand why people put so much focus on the product but not the crowd because mm-hmm. i believe that for businesses to, to create wealth or for people to create wealth it's if you can own an audience or own a crowd mm-hmm. that is how businesses can be successful time and time and time again because you know you could call it a thousand true fans you could call it your herd your tribe whoever it is if it is a demographic or you know, a niche that that you essentially own that you you can then sell products to to, to make money then then i believe that's that's the crowd but or that is the key uh, I say success is owning the crowd and not oh. necessarily owning the the, the product. Uh, you, you, you are you are right too, and I I guess that takes us back to that classic example of the VHS versus beta mm. um, challenges of the or, or competition head to head competition of the nineteen something seventies eighties. You had a superior. You had a recognised superior technology. Mm. Uh, which was beaten by an inferior technology because they had critical mass. And critical mass uh, is really what we're talking about, to see the VHS Mm. uh, won that particular battle, won the war, won the war ultimately. Um, And it's the, um, it it wasn't about the product. Mm. Um, It was about the mass. It was about the crowd. It was about, really it was about the way that was communicated so that people wanted to buy uh, the products. Why did they want to buy them, even if they weren't, if they were inferior? Well, that's the uh, that's the challenge. Definitely. And and one thing that's always struck me, and it might be a, a slightly strange question, but do you believe that it's possible to be successful in the media industry? And I, I recognise that's a very broad term. You know, and if someone wants to get attention and and find their crowd but they are more on the introverted side, considering we're in a generation where everybody loves to shove a, a phone in their face and do a you know an Instagram mm-hmm. live or something. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that that more introverted person can get that attention they desire and, and find their crowd? 
I think they can, but I think they've got to be smart. Mm. And that's where there's platforms at the moment which are enabling that to happen. I look at Substack, for example, uh, as ways of being able to, um, <clears throat> I guess, ways of being able to leverage your knowledge and put it into the, uh, the something you may be passionate about and be able to get that in front of an audience. Good example is what we're doing here today. We're doing mm. a podcast. Why are we doing a podcast? What's that about? Uh, and it's really about being able to get to people's ears. Mm. And we may not be, uh, we may be introverts. I said, I'm not the celebrity. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to be a politician. Um, I don't want to be on television. Um, and I, um, I certainly don't want to be at the Oscars, but, um, a podcast, that's a great way of getting to people's ears, despite the fact that I may be introverted to some extent. And I don't want my face all over those different uh, different media. It is a good way of getting to people's ears, and um, it's 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 particularly if you've got a message that's worthwhile listening to. So uh, jury's mm. out on that in no. terms of this conversation for me. Absolutely, but let's do, hope so. I believe, and you know, this isn't just taming the ferrets. I believe that everyone has a message. Everyone, I believe, has everyone has somewhere they belong. Everyone has a, a crowd, a tribe, an audience. Um, because yeah. I. And, you know, without going to to Tony Robbins or everyone, I think no matter what, there's a lot of people out there who say I haven't got a story to tell, or no one would listen to me, no one would believe in my business because I'm nothing special. And and I'd always disagree with that. I think they're I would too. And I think for, for the right audience, for the right ears, every single person has got a story to tell and, and the people I, they can help. I, I recall working many years ago with a, an old school sports reporter. Uh, in in Auckland, uh, ex Auckland star, uh, chap by the name of Ivan Agnew, he'd written a biography uh, at the time. I think one of his claims to fame, he'd written a, a biography of uh, John Walker uh, at the time when he'd set the world mile record in Scandinavia, somewhere Sweden, I believe, mm. Gothenburg, if I'm not mistaken. Ivan worked, I worked with Ivan and he was our sports, uh, he, he headed up our sports desk. This is many years ago. And I always recall, um, I always recall Ivan saying to me, you know what? There's a, everybody's got a story to tell. He said, and I think this was his excuse for going and having those couple of pints at lunchtime. He said, he always said, if I walked into a public bar of any pub in New Zealand, and went to a corner of that pub to talk to the one person that was sitting there, no matter what they looked like on the outside, they would have a story to tell. Mm. And he firmly believed that. And I agreed with him too because, um, and it's exactly what you were saying, Freddie, mm. everybody's got a story to tell. It's just a matter of getting that story out of them. Definitely. And I think and that's one thing that, as you say, with, with Bayer Plenty Business News, you, you help people to do that in terms of, of telling those business stories. And, and that's, that's right. And do here as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Well, we've got only a couple of minutes left, but I'd love to know, Alan, what what do you see the, the future being for, for for the media and publishing industry, for, for the Bayer Plenty, for, for the world? How, how do you see the next, uh, without being too bold a question, the future of the world being a... What do you see? That how do you see the land lying in the next? Freddie, you promised years? me when I came here today that you would keep the question <laughs> simple. You didn't tell me I needed to bring a crystal ball with me. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's the sixty-four thousand dollar 
dollar question uh and and w- what is the future i don't see the cha- i don't see change slowing i don't see change slowing at all and that's a worry um i don't mean to sound like a prophet of doom but that is a worry um i feel that the will have to be uh, I, I, I think there will have to be um, some mediation within uh, within m- media globally. Mm. I think some of the um, I, I think some of the uh, absolutely atrocious uh, uh, act- activities uh, that are happening online through online through social media, mm. online and online information channels are um, are not sustainable. Mm. Uh, and where where will that, where will that go? I think there will have to be there will be regulation, um, and I think there has to be regulation. Sadly, regulation often only comes as a result of catastrophe or disaster, and I so wish I wasn't saying that, but it may well be true that that's how it comes about. Will the uh, will the Ukrainian war be part of that? I don't know. I did. Uh, I did think that the Trump. Um, I did think that the Trump presidency may usher in that time of of uh, necessary uh, control, regulatory control. That didn't happen. Mm. Um, other than uh, Trump being cancelled by Twitter and Facebook. Um, but in terms of um, some of that ugly stuff, um, there will have to be some regulation along the way. Um, I think uh, the. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to go in terms of the aggregation of those news channels. We can look at some of the mergers at the moment on the table, on the table, or the plans on the table right now with state media in New Zealand, uh, between TV, uh, TVNZ and Radio New Zealand. Um, what will the impact of that be? And where's that heading? I really don't know because no one knows. It's very much crystal ball gazing, and rather than uh, rather than being driven by uh, rather than being driven by the desire for more accurate um, news, unfortunately, these things are often driven by the profit motive. Mm. Uh, so, unfortunately, um, I sound fairly pessimistic, and I don't mean to be, uh, but there are some negative, there are some dark forces at work mm. in the world. Uh, winter is coming. And um, I kind of hope it's a short winter so that we have some changes as we come out the other end, uh, whereby some common sense regulation is put in place so so that bullshit Mm. is not covering our internet and our social media, so that truth will out, so that democracy can shine through and be given a chance to have a fair, uh, as we say, a fair crack is given to democracy. We're not seeing that in the world at the moment. That's a scary thought. I'm here in little old uh, little old Tauranga in the Bay of Plenty and um, the outlook is a lot less bleak, I'm pleased to say. So I should get off my global grandstand uh, or global pedestal and just looking at where we're at locally. Unfortunately, a lot of what we do uh, 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 is globally influenced controlled globally. Only need to look out the window at the harbour here to see container ships leaving the port. Um, three or four a day that I happen to see loaded up and uh, they're coming in loaded as well. What happens in the rest of the world does affect us here. Um, and uh, well, there's, no, there's no two ways about that. Um, we're at the we're at the very at the very end of a very long global chain. And um, you know, when that chain swings, uh, we swing a lot more violently than other places. 
but uh, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of resilience. We have a lot of natural uh, nat- natural assets here uh, in terms of who we are, what we are, the land that we live in, and what we can produce. And I think uh, I think we've got a record of being able to make the most of that. We've always been a long way from everywhere, right from the when New Zealand was first settled uh, 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 by the uh, by the, by the early ancestors, both the. Uh, um, uh, both from other parts of the Pacific and those from uh, those from Europe, isn't it's always been a long way away, and yet we've managed to thrive. We're still a long way away, so I think we'll still continue to thrive by doing what we do best. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and it's great, Alan. I think are we are we announcing. I think this could be a Tony the Ferret's exclusive. Alan Neben for Prime Minister. Thank I think you. I think that was that was the moment, wasn't it, where, where we launched the campaign? I wasn't wanting to launch today. I was really wanting to wait until <laughs> next month. And my denials of wanting to be involved in politics, you saw straight through them, Eddie, didn't well, you? We, we, Freddie, I should say. No, it's fine. Well, I've been called a lot worse, believe me. Yeah, I just left off the F, but, you know, leaving off the F can be a good thing sometimes, Freddie. <laughs> People usually give me the F, but that's a whole other that's a whole different <laughs> that, podcast. That's a different topic. <laughs> but, you know, we, we do see a lot on this podcast here. We know that, that Jacinda is... Is down there in Wellington, and she is. You know, she keeps begging us to come on, and we're like, "No, you're going to have to wait, Jacinda." But then now she's going to be not even just wanting to come on; she's going to be scared. Freddie, Alan's on the campaign trail. Freddie, as I always say, timing is everything. Exactly, and yeah. today could be the day, couldn't it? Exactly. I think uh, well, you know maybe we'll do like a handover, and she'll come on the show. And I do. I, I do. If you get a key for your prime minister or a badge, she'll. she'll like badge, a, like a sheriff's badge, yeah, maybe, so. <laughs> and a gun. Yeah, exactly. A sheriff's yeah. badge and a gun. It's like I'm handing over to you, Alan. Good luck. It's not easy out yeah, there. Yeah, she'll probably hand it over to you and then maybe just, just go to Briscoe's or something <laughs> and pick up some, uh, some, some pans or something. <laughs> That's what I'm sure Jacinda They may not have any pans. Short of, there's shortages at the moment, but I'm yeah. sure she'll find something exactly. to pick up there. I know. Well, we'll get around for a cup of coffee anyway. Yeah. Alan, this has been amazing fun. Thank you so much. We do have one more question for yeah. you, which which is the surprise question. Yes. I didn't tell you about this. And you have noticed the book. So it is a Taming the Ferrets tradition that the outgoing guest writes a question for the next guest. So this was from Ash G from Miss G's. If you could change one thing you have done along your journey, what is it and why? I think the answer to that question has become clearer for me as I've got, uh, as I've got older. It's just been in the last few years. And that's um, and that's being prepared to feel the fear, and yet carry on. And I know that sounds a little bit uh, woo woo, um, but I look back and think there are certain things I didn't do through my life, both in business and my personal life, through fear. And I'm no different from any other person. But there are certain things that maybe I didn't do that I so wish I had done. They're not, re- they're not regrets. What they are is just uh, knowing from where I sit now, I know that you can do anything and that fear can paralyze you, but don't be paralyzed, just do it. And that's the advice I gave to someone recently. Um, and it's, uh, that's from my experience. There are things that, um, the th- things that I haven't done because of fear through my life that I so wish I had done and that I'd seen that fear and faced it anyway. Have you got any examples of, of anything there? Coming to um, changing life, coming to uh, coming to the Bay of Plenty. Mm. Absolutely no regrets. 
the one thing I uh, the only the only thing the thing that I would have changed is I would have done that sooner. Mm. I had an opportunity to do it sooner. I didn't do it because I was needed elsewhere. In my mind, I was needed elsewhere. That was my justification for not coming here sooner. The reality, I think I was scared. Mm. I think I was scared that maybe things wouldn't work uh, if I left what I was doing. Mm. Probably wouldn't have been the case. However, I was I, I was scared. So um, and it, yeah, I don't mind I don't mind admitting that. So to anyone that's listening, um, just look at yourself, look at your own life. That would be my recommendation. And one of the things that uh, and, and and identify perhaps one of those things that if you're to be really honest with yourself, you're just scared of doing. Be that leaving the job that you hate, being not taking the risk of starting the business, trying the new idea putting out the new product, talking to people about some of those things. Um, for you as the listeners there, uh, my advice, any one of those things, find one of those things and just do it. Mm. As someone who uh, who left his whole life behind and, uh, and moved 16,000 kilometres here to New Zealand, I can wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think yeah. that there's always going to be a reason not to do something. It will yeah. never feel like the right time. And but, but I think we have to make it the perfect time and, okay. and just jump anyway. I agree. I agree. Perfect. Well, in terms of perfect time, our time is unfortunately up. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on on Taming the Ferrets. Where, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about Bay of Plenty Business News, how, how do they find you? Just go to uh, bopbusinessnews.co.nz. Uh, you'll find us there, all the information's there that you're going to need. Perfect. And yeah, finally, I just have to say, you know, vote, vote Alan Neben, where we're going to be in the, in the corridors of power. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, Freddie. Campaign starts today. <laughs> exactly. This is the moment. Feel the fear and let's, uh, let, let's go and chase the world. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much for coming on Taming the Ferrets. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me, Freddie. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.